Do you need a bathroom in the might, middle of this I podcast? This is Talk Can Audio. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talking Audio Podcast. It's a fight week, and it is actually St. Patty's Day as we release this episode, uh, which means some of you may have already started your day. If you're checking out the Talking Audio Podcast, if you're one of those people who takes St. Patty's Day very seriously, you may already be into your first pint. We're going to get to our pints here in just a second. Man, I appreciate you coming back. We had plans on getting to the UFC in the last episode, but... I don't know. There was NHL to talk about. There was NFL to talk about. Sens, Leafs, all kinds of shit going on, man. I appreciate you coming back. You know what, Matty? Anything for you, especially when it comes to fights, but also St. Patty's Day. Yes. Man, I remember being in college, and it was my biggest day. I remember I had projects, but it was one of those shifts where you got up, and it was all business. I had my right St. Patty's that. Day stuff, and yeah. it was 8 a.m. You know what? I don't care that I got class. I had a, I was prepared. I had the coffee Were mug. Were you a Guinness guy get, right off the hop? Could you get into the Guinness at that point? Love Guinness. I love a nice Guinness. Uh, I do now. Not too I many. Then. Yeah. I, I wasn't ready. I, I, just, I don't think I did a many that day. Yeah. But I was more just, I was just drinking. I had a couple green beers. I remember just walking around with my coffee mug, my, yes. whatever, through my classes. And <laughs> one good thing about college, I can't kick you out. And I wasn't too, too drunk, but uh, put in some good shifts. So. I paid to be yeah, yeah, I paid to be here. Yeah. You deal with me. <laughs> um, but no, I love St. Patty's Day. I love, I got an Irish family. So I'm excited about it. We talked about it yesterday. So yeah. excited about St. Patty's Day. Uh, plus we got fights tomorrow, man. That's uh, when I'm probably hung over and I'm just puking up green beer all day. We could at least watch fights on the couch and order some disgusting food and just make myself well, feel better. We'll get into myself. all that, right? But it's a 5 PM start too. So that hangover may still be hanging around by the time exactly. the fights start. The prelims be, I guess like two o'clock. It could be an all right day on the couch. We got lots of stuff to, to do here still. We'll, we'll get into the fight game in just a second, but I got to ask you, Bunda, and I think I know the answer to this question. You much of a Juno's guy? Um, <laughs> you watch the Juno's? I do Wars? not, but I, uh, I, I saw clips of it the other night that I was okay with. That uh, Yeah, okay. So for people who maybe have missed this, maybe not, uh, at the Juno Awards on Sunday, Avril Lavigne is on stage. I used to have... A little bit of a thing for, for Avril. Well, the only problem with that is I did too, yeah. so you never had a chance because okay. she's always going to be mine. Right. No, you, I, that's believable, <laughs> man. Uh, but we were both stuck behind that douchebag from Sum 41 and then the guy from whoa, whoa, Nickelback. Whoa. You dissing Derek? That's uh, my yeah. guy. Okay. I love Derek Wibley. He took our girl. <laughs> but if anyone's going to do it, I'm all right with him because right. I loved Sum back in the day. I didn't mind the Sums either, but I was unhappy when... Uh, when he took my girl away. And yeah. then uh, after that, she ends up with the Nickelback guy, which was really unfortunate. Anyway, she is uh, at the Juno Awards preparing to introduce or is in the process of introducing uh, a performer. And uh, I'm just going to play the audio before we get into what actually happened here. His music has gained a worldwide audience with sold out shows in Canada, the U.S., Get the fuck off. <laughs> get the fuck off, bitch. <laughs> I like the, the, get the fuck off, bitch. It's yeah. a little Southern or something. She's been living in the U.S. too long, maybe. Going back to her skater boy days, there you go. right? That's she's a little punk Avril. All I right, it. I like that. So um, what happens is a topless woman who's there, I guess, to protest the development of the green belt. 
uh, in Edmonton at the Juno Awards. Interesting. Yeah. Um, clearly lost, uh, has run on stage. <laughs> yes, I'd say. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's run on stage and I guess written on her, it said, God save the green belt, which I guess is supposed to be God save the queen. Clever. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah. And, uh, took a run at Avril and, uh, Avril wasn't having any of it, man. I, mm. I kind of liked it just, just cause it brought back kind of that, that skater boy. Yeah. Yeah. Attitude she had in the early two thousands, a little bit before things all went kind of poppy there for quite a while. But man, at, uh, the Juno awards, not exactly known for, you know, craziness, punk rocks, cursing and Something swearing. happening. No, exactly. <laughs> I can't even tell you the last time I would have watched the, uh, the Junos, but, uh, I guess good for, and you know what? Maybe it's good that this girl ran on stage because uh, Avril felt very much like she was reading off a teleprompter and sounded like every one of us in like grade three, delivering our first speech or book report or whatever, yeah. like a little monotone at the very beginning, right? His music is gain. Yeah. His music, his gain. <laughs> his music is gain a worldwide audience. Has it? Yeah. It's yeah. great. Avril. Yeah, I wonder how interesting that uh, kind of green room would have been with uh, Nickelback also getting into yeah. the uh, Hall of Fame. But uh, so like Nickelback you s- that night, you're right, was going into the Canadian or the Juno Award, whatever Canadian. Connor McDavid was there yeah. <laughs> inducting them. But, Sorry, buddy. But, yeah. And all anyone's talking about the next day is your ex-wife or ex-girl, whatever skater girl. <laughs> um, She's the one who got all the attention. And I kind of like it because I never really liked Nickelback very much. Yeah, I don't mind Nickelback. Yeah. Uh, Chad Kroger, uh, but like you said, uh, I believe they were married. But that's yeah. the thing. She's always had a thing for Canadian rock singers. But I, uh, I believe she was just engaged too to another artist, but I don't remember who it was. And that just ended. Okay. Uh, so we're back in the game. So she, yeah, we're back in the game. <laughs> we might have to fight to the death yeah. for it. Um, so let's be ready for that. Yeah. Um, right. I'm worried because I know you got all the Talcan audio fans downstairs that That's don't right, like man. me very much. No, they're, I'm worried that they're going to be <laughs> trying to chase They'll me They'll be home. backing me up. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, just it is, must have been an interesting night for all of them Honestly, being involved yeah. in that situation. Uh, but no, I, you know, I like Nickelback. I've seen them live twice. They put on a great show. I mainly saw them because uh, opening up for them was uh, one of my favorite bands, uh, Shinedown. And, oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, both times, though, they were a really fun concert to watch. Like yeah. They're throwing beers to the you know crowd and having fun. <laughs> there's pyro. There's solos going on. And I believe a lot of people hate on Nickelback just to hate on Nickelback, and they don't actually hate them. So I really liked the first album, and I think I like the second album. I think that had how you remind me maybe it was on that one. I, I don't want and everything after that. I haven't really. Yeah. Liked, so I just, I, they're, they're, they're a band for me that's just there. Like I don't hate them. I don't love them, <clears throat> but I, I'm more, I'm like, you know what? I appreciate them. I don't like, I'll listen to their songs. I like a lot of their songs. I like a lot of their stuff. Um, but it's like, I'm not going to go out of my way to see them. But both times that the, my like Shinedown came, I ended up seeing them at the CTC. Right. Oh man, I think it was 2011, 2012 <laughs> in that area, maybe 2010. And then I saw them a couple of years later at Blues Fest and, you know, Nickelback was playing that same night. Uh, and I was see, like, that's the road down it's, though. It's kind of like. Once you've moved from the CTC to Blues Fest, you're usually on the back nine. No, <laughs> you know what? Blues Fest is a, is a good I know, time. I'm a little sour with their lineup this it's year. It's not great. 
the foos has my attention. Yeah, the foos does, but I, 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 you know, I don't. Maybe I'm thinking about it the wrong way, but I feel like it's like okay, the foos are here, but they don't even know what they're doing right no. now and what direction they're going in. Do so I, I feel like yet? no, I feel like they're going at it for all the wrong reasons. It's like hey, let's take advantage of the foo fighters and bring them in because. You know, their drummer passed yeah. away last year yeah. and they had two big, they're like the topic of rock music right now. And, you know, they were here also, you know, five years ago, six years ago. So, you know, not a terrible lineup, uh, just a lot of bands and artists I've already seen before, like Ludacris. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I know you're a big Pitbull guy, so you'll sure. probably be pretty Mr. excited Worldwide. about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and, and you know, my beef too is uh, Guns N' Roses just announced a world tour. Hmm. So they're going to, I believe, Moncton, I think it's Moncton. They're going out east. Um, they're going to Montreal. And they're going to Toronto again. I've seen them twice. But yeah. the one thing I am excited about uh, with this whole new Sens ownership thing is, you know, there's been rumors they want to bring in more musical acts, and there's uh, a lot that's going to happen. It's like you know what? It's about time that Ottawa started getting recognized. Like, why are we constantly getting missed by you know huge acts? Small market between two monster markets, and that just happens sometimes. But I their guess. capital of Canada needs to become. You're right, though. Friggin' big market. Let's, the new, let's go. By all accounts, anybody who takes over the Senators is far more interested in making that a a desirable stop. So we'll see how that all plays out, man. I'll be interested to, to see. We do have a new beer before we get into the fight stuff here. This is one that you brought for us tonight, and this is actually a legendary beer around this podcast. But we'll start with what it is. What have you brought tonight, man? So I brought you something that I got uh, given to me. From our good friend, Chris Stevenson. It's the number 17 from uh, Big Rig. Wow. The number 17. It has overflowed on me hard. <laughs> wow. I was trying to keep my cool, but you know what? That, that was, was just kept coming at me. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, but the number 17 um, from Big Rig and the the special part of it is that it's uh, for Rito View. Um, on the can, it says a little bit of Rito View in every beer, which the whole point of that is, I believe, uh, from here from Chris Stevenson, that a lot of the hops grown for this beard were done on the number 17 at Rito View Golf Course. Uh, do you need a bath in the I middle might, of this I podcast? Have, honestly, man, it just kept foaming. Uh, and kept you're making foaming. me nervous now for when I get yeah. to open my beer. Seriously, give it a couple taps there on the... Uh on the bottom, whatever has to happen. Oh, it's going to be a problem. I already know. It's coming, man. So, yeah, yeah it's half gone because I've had to drink it and drink <laughs> it and drink it while it kept foaming. It's coming off the 6.8 Roman candle. Yeah, so. honestly, the show's getting away from us here a little bit. <laughs> uh, very tasty, very crushable, not very strong. Uh, we're looking at about, what is it, a 4.7%. It's a great one for the the golf course, I'll tell you that much. Sure. Uh, but a little bit of an IPA kind of Pilsner cross. Uh, very good, tasty beer. It does beer. have a bit of a Pilsner ring too. Yeah, yeah, Pilsner, but it also has a little bit of a early bitterness of an IPA at the yep. beginning of it. So I've always loved it. And uh, our fellow Chris Stevenson brought us a couple the other day. So I figured I'd share a couple with you today. I appreciate that, man. And it's interesting because we had CJ in studio. I'm going to say, although I am guessing, January. Yeah, see, it's coming at him too. This is. <laughs> <laughs> struggling, but I'm making it work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Learn from my mistake. I just cracked it right open and I, I swear my shirt is just <laughs> drenched at this point. Uh, CJ would have been in here, I believe January or February of 2019 and um, had a couple of beers and he was telling us about this beer that, uh, yeah, they grew the, is it the hops, I guess. Yep. 
on the, the golf course, as you said. Number 17, 17, baby. Right, which is where this name comes from, obviously. And we were kind of like, you got to hook us up here, CJ, right? Like, we got to try this thing. He said, yeah, yeah, I got some at the house. I'll take care of you. And this is now, actually, I might be missing this up. Maybe it was 2020 because obviously you never came back, which the world got locked down, right? And so yeah. I, I've sort of needled at him a couple of times on Twitter or in the DMs or whatever messages. Hey, don't forget about us. Hey, we need to try this 17. And here it is, you that walks in with a couple. And uh, and so we appreciate you getting out in front of this because, CJ, uh, I'm, his, I'm his little courier, I guess, okay. delivery boy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he, he brought a couple and, you know, I grabbed the... Uh, a couple to bring in, but, uh, like I said, just a good crushable beer. And, you know, I've, I've had a couple in the past, but recently brought some more in and I know CJ is a busy man and all that, but, uh, <laughs> shout out CJ, but we'll also get him in here again, shout out to shit. Steve Duckett, uh, who, uh, is part of read of you and a uh, really good guy too. And they put together a good pint and like, like I said, just a very tasty one. Um, now that it's not, uh, all over your body foaming over, yeah. yeah. And foaming over. How do you like the taste? The, it tastes way better than it smells on my shirt right now, like, <laughs> or than it feels on my chest. We right are now. a little, we're not too far apart, but I'm going to let you know right now, I'm not going to lean over to smell how good no, you smell. All How right. about that? All right, man. You're messing out, I guess, but it, it, it's <laughs> no, making my shirt. I'll taste my beer. How yeah, about okay, that? Okay, fair enough. It's making my shirt a little clingy. Things are getting showy over. <laughs> this actually feels like St. Patrick's Day. It's yeah. two days early, right? Things have gotten a little It's sloppy. a green can too, but. Yeah. Uh, it's honestly a very nice beer and yeah. uh, it, it just, yeah, kind of got away from us there a little bit off the top. So appreciate you bringing that in. And it's Big Rig that brews this one? Yeah, Big Rig. Yeah. Which is, like that used to be owned by Chris Phillips. I think he's sold it to a Montreal-based company, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Okay. I could be wrong on that. You uh, you might be right though. I don't, uh, I don't hey, know. I can't, I'm not here to be That's the... anything I say on this podcast. <laughs> I might be right. You I might could, be. I could be wrong. <laughs> so put it out there and we'll see what happens. Um, very nice beer though. And uh, yeah. The, uh, the half of it that I'm wearing, we'll, uh, we'll just have to assume would have been great also. When I leave, you can uh, rinse it out into a cup and see if you can get any extra <laughs> drops out of it. How about that? I'm not letting you leave before that. You're going to have to watch that performance. <laughs> um, speaking of performances, man, it's been an interesting couple of weeks around the UFC and we got another huge card to come on Saturday, but let's circle back first. We can't not circle back. We have to talk about the return of John Jones and uh, he walks into UFC 285. And honestly, man, that fight against Cyril Gaon was so anticlimactic. And it's because, I guess, of how great John Jones is. But, like, I'll ask you, that was over early in the first. But it didn't look like Gaon was necessarily in trouble, right, when he went out. And I get it. When you're the guy that's being choked, you get to decide how serious... (laughs) This hold is, right? What kind of trouble you're in. But I was surprised. Like, I wasn't necessarily surprised that that Jones got him down as quick as he did and, and put him in trouble. I was surprised with how quickly it ended and how not in trouble Gain looked at the moment. You know what I'm saying? Yes and no, because 
once he got him up in the cage yeah. and he was down in the cage, like that's the thing now. And there's nowhere to go. With yeah. That, it's, and for John Jones, the one thing that's always made him such a, you know, I, I hate calling him the goat because GSP is always my, going to be my of goat. Course, yeah. Um, but it's hard to ignore him, but his length, his body style, and the fact that he's now pushing up to 250 and Cyril Gone isn't that big of a heavyweight either. As soon as he had him against that cage, it was over. It was basically over because, uh, I know Gone's a strong guy and he's super athletic, but you're not getting getting out of that and and for uh, for John Jones like that's his first first round finish since Shale Sonnen in 2013. Wow. Like, and this is a guy that's the, like the GOAT, right? And he's yeah. had a couple, like his last couple light heavyweights uh, fights right before he left to become a heavyweight and took three years off. Um, took three you know, years off he, is well, a generous way to forget well, that's what, well, I mean, he did, right? He, he stepped away from the light heavyweight division because he said he wanted to move up to heavyweight. He had had um, several run-ins with a couple of run-ins. DC... Uh, PEDs and DUIs yeah. was the, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's running a, a bit of trouble, comments. I guess. Yeah. 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 But, um, as a fighter, uh, oh, man, seeing incredible. the way he, you know, his last couple fights in light heavyweight division, him now moving up and the way he handled Cyril gone, but his body weight. And I look at the heavyweight division and there's no one right now that can move like him. I'm curious to see about Sergey Pavlovich a bit because yeah. he's a bit of a monster that can throw big time and he's yep. athletic too. Um, he doesn't have the wrestling and the ground that I believe that John Jones would have. Um, but seeing the way that Jones, and, and like you said, it was early, so we didn't get a, a full work um, to see of, of John Jones. Mm-hmm. But to see him just walk into that octagon bigger and the same size though, lengthwise, like the long arms, the long reach, like yep. the athleticism. He still had a it's lot a of that right matchup. Yeah. Or it, a matchup nightmare. Yeah. For a lot of the heavyweights too, right? There's yep. a lot of, and Francis and Ghana would even tell you too, right? He fought Cyril Gone and they went five rounds. Yeah. Yeah. It took like less than three minutes for John Jones. So it, it was very interesting to see that. And like I said, once he had him up on the cage and I was hoping for the TKO finish there because I put a little shackles on, I think I got a boost uh, from one of the uh, betting sites that sure. put five bucks or something like that on it. It would have netted me some big money. And unfortunately he went with the sub instead of a TKO knockout or DQ. Um, so I was a little upset about that part of it. Well, but gone went, went for the DQ with the yeah. kick and the balls right off the off. Well, exactly. And you wonder if he was... Like he shouldn't be nervous. You referenced there. He's gone toe to toe with uh, with Nganu, right? And yeah. he's shown he, he's fought in Paris, where he's from. Like that, that would have been a pressure situation. But man, John Jones just made him look like a complete non-factor. Yeah, and so and that's has, your number one contender, right? Like, yeah. Unfortunately, Francis Nganu is the champion, right? And he's yeah, not yeah. anymore. He's the king, and he's, he's left. Yep. But he's your number one contender, right? And so as we move forward on John Jones, it hasn't been booked yet, but the smart money is that in July, it'll be John Jones and Stipe Miocic. And I got to tell you, man, that does nothing for me. Zero. Miocic has been gone for like two years. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw him, he was getting fuck smashed by Nganu, I believe. <laughs> was was the And Miocic is really like... Only in this, only in the conversation, because it's John Jones, and that would be a dream fight in in their minds, right? The greatest light heavyweight of all time versus arguably the greatest heavyweight of all time. Yeah. We can sell that. If this is Cyril gone, or if it's Pavlovich, or whoever else, like if it's still in Ganu, they're not rebooking that versus Miocic. He's only still in the mix because it's John Jones, and so it just doesn't do anything for me, man. To 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 
I assume Jones is going to wipe him out. No, I feel you. And uh, I don't uh, – for Miocic too, he's uh, he's been away from the, the game a bit. And I believe he had every opportunity to be this guy in the fight. And he kind of took a back seat waiting yeah. to see what would happen and kind of with Francis Ngannou, yep. right? Because everybody wanted Jones versus Ngannou. Sure. And that never happened. And then it was like, all right, well, Jones needs the damn fight. Give him a damn fight at heavyweight. And – Gone was the guy. I was like, you know what? I'll take it. Like, let's yep. go. But where was Miocic then? Right. Like, I love Stipe. I think he's great. And I think he's is one of the best heavyweights of all time. Sure. You know what? Throw him in that conversation because he deserves to be there. But at the same time, it's like, okay, well, where were you then? And now it's like how quickly after the fight he was talking about, well, I want that fight. I want the winner. I dibs winner. It's like, dude, you, you well, could have had this man. fight. Yeah, you, yeah. You know what I mean? You were, you were that guy. Right. Like, you didn't step up, and now he wants to step up. And it's like he's got the FOMO right now of the octagon. And This will be um, either way his retirement fight, won't it? If he loses, what's left lo- for him to do? <sighs> if he wins, you beat John Jones. That's a great thing to put in your back pocket and walk away as. But is him versus Pavlovich then a money fight? Like I, To me, this is... This would be the end for him. I appreciate your positivity on him having a chance to win. (laughs) Um, But uh, Stipe is just not in the same class. He's He's, um, a lighter heavyweight, too. I believe he comes in around the 235 to 240 range. And, you know, John Jones, like I said, look at at how big, much bigger he was in Cyril Gone. And I believe that that Jones, if I can remember correctly, he came in at 248 and Cyril Gone was 250. Yeah. Um, But, dude, like, John Jones looked like he was 280 pounds. Like, not fast-wise. No, no, no. But just so much bigger yeah. than Cyril Gaunt. frame, build, all of it. Like I said, once he had him up against the cage, he was in no man's land. Like, yeah. he had him in a spot where he literally was sitting up against the cage, and he was over top of him, and he's just like, all right, do you want to get TK out here, or do you want to get choked out? <laughs> and he to, yeah. Gone took the, you know what, choke me out, because I don't want to get knocked out. I don't want to fight again in probably three months against, I don't know who, Curtis Blades, the winner of Sergey Pavlovich, yep. Curtis Blades yep. fight. Um, but, you know, I look at, you know, Curtis Blades is the next matchup, depending on uh, how that fight goes between Popovich. Like that, those two guys right there, like those are guys Jones I want to see fighting Blades. John Jones. Yeah, okay. and if it's not in Ghana, because it should be in Ghana, that's going to be the thing, man. If Jones beats Miocic, um, he's going to almost force Dana to eat his balls and say, "In Ghana, like that's what's next." You can't go down then to. To Pavlovich, maybe you can once, but at some point you're going to have to make that fight. Yeah, you're going to have to do it. Yeah. And otherwise, like we've heard a few different times now, John Jones may not be in this for the long term. He's in his mid thirties. That, that's the other part of it, right? Is Somebody, how chance he's going to have to make money <laughs> off that guy too, right? You're going to have to go back to Nganu. Yeah, and he's going to be in a spot where, like, who's he fighting? And again, like, you know, for John Jones, if he beats Stipe, it's like, okay, cool. Now, if when, <laughs> uh, but. Once that's done, it's like where where is your next uh, next opponent? And it's going to probably be the winner of that Curtis Blades yep. versus no, uh, Pavlovich. Right. And I, you know, I, I'm gonna you know, Blades is a more of a wrestler, so I see that being a very decent matchup against John Jones. Likely a very boring one. Mm-hmm. Um, Pavlovich, I believe that John Jones doesn't want to swing with because that guy's a monster. <laughs> um, I think he would have been a great fight for Ngannou. Like yes. that would have been two couple monsters. 100%. But the heavyweight division right now is kind of sitting in a spot where it's like mm, okay, like. What's going on? And like, you know, Tai Tuivasa was so 
um, hiked up and then he got knocked out by Cyril gone. And it's yep. just like, ah, that kind of sucked. Cause he was, you know, having a lot of fun doing shoeies, chugging beers out of his <laughs> shoe on the cage and having fun with the That's fans. Great. And he had a lot of hype. He was great on the mic and he was having a lot of fun. Um, but you look at the next couple guys and if it's not in Ghanu, it's like, all right. It's thin, man. Yeah, it is thin. It's like Curtis Blades is there, but like, that's not a sexy fight. No. Like, and there's not a lot of sexy fights in the heavyweight division right now. And, you know, like I said, Popovich is the next guy that I feel like could be, um, once he gets there. Yeah. Um, but he's still like very new to this division and he's, he's a monster. I do believe he's pretty, pretty sick to be honest. I, 100%. I, he might be my favorite heavyweight to watch right now, but. What John Jones did, like I said, not having a first round finish since 2013, 10 years, took yeah. him 10 years yeah. to get back to that spot. And the way he handled Cyril Gone was like, holy shit, man. <laughs> like this guy is a problem. And 100%. I think the one thing that you'll agree with me on is like, um, I really respect and, and, and I put him in the top fighters of all time in the UFC. I just dislike him so much outside the octagon that it's like, I, re- I always constantly find myself rooting against him, but it's like, I do that because I just don't like the guy, but I know he's always going to win because he's just a monster. He is. His he's only an loss, asshole, but he's yeah. very good. His, his only like no good. contest loss is because of uh, an elbow, which it's like Dana White's even admitted he's tried to get that washed. And right. uh, it's like, okay, cool. But I don't know. I want to see... I want to see some more excitement in the heavyweight division. And the one thing the UFC is doing a good job of right now is that a lot of the other divisions are building newer, younger superstars. And there's a lot more of the turnover. We've talked about. Yeah. It was um, was a good five years, though, where there was not much coming up. No, you're right. And it kind of was sucked. And the heavyweight division right now is, it's okay. Like, there is some some of these guys, like the Pavlovich, the Tuivasas. um, You know, I I was always a Jarzinho Rosenstrike, like the biggie boy. Sure. I love that guy. And, you know, there's a lot there. But it's like, there's no one that's like, you know what, like, John Jones is going to step in this division right now, and he's doing it because he's probably going to take down, like he did, um, gone, but he's going to take down Stipe, so he's going to have that, you know what, the greatest heavyweight of all time, that's they in my belt. They can sell that fight. Yeah. That's, they can sell that fight. It'll, it's, it's not interesting sell. to me at all. It's not, and, no. and it won't be until Ngannou comes back and they have a trilogy yeah. fight because I could see, you know, 1v1, okay, one win, one loss each, and then here you go, here's your third fight, maybe a fourth fight. Like, it just, that feels like a rivalry and raw, like there's all, they're already talking about each other all the time right yeah. now, and and yet they're not fighting each other. Right. And you know what? If if Ngano goes to boxing and he fights Tyson Fury, that's going to be bigger than any UFC fight, any boxing fight we've ever seen. That's going to be the biggest fight in a long time. Well, that's globally. the one thing I wonder. Does it hurt him, Francis Ngano? No. If he goes and fights Joshua or Fury and loses? Because um, that's very much on the table. Like UFC guys crossing into boxing seldom do really well. And there's some, there's some fear that Ngano won't be fast enough to keep up with his boxing, right? Yeah, it's tough. It would be, uh, I mean, the build up to the fight, no matter what is going to be the biggest fight, like that's going to be one of the biggest boxing matches and fights in UFC and boxing history. 100%. If it's Tyson Fury and versus Francis Ngannou, because he has that hype of like, you know what? I'm the heavyweight champ. Nobody took it from me. Nobody's beating me. I'm still the UFC heavyweight champ. I'm a box, like he's got the boxing to do it. And I think he would rather be in that situation because of his knee injuries that he's dealt with. And he's getting a bit older now and he's been through a long road, right? To get to the UFC, to get to To me though, man, I got to be honest. It sounds a little like Connor versus Floyd, but less built. Like those two guys knew how to talk to sell a fight. Francis isn't the same talker, isn't the same size name, and I think he's just as likely to lose. I don't think he gets dominated. And even Connor, you can argue if you want against Floyd, maybe Floyd 
played with his dinner a little bit. But Connor stuck around long enough to make that go, all right, like at least it was competitive. If Nganu were to get just knocked the fuck out, I think that damages his value to the U.S. And Dana gets to do his smug fucking thing at the press conference. Ah, he just lost to whatever. Why would I be interested? Because you need him in the UFC. Boxing doesn't necessarily need Francis Ngannou. The UFC, come July, may need Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I, no, I see what you mean. But I look at that that fight. McGregor Mayweather was a circus. It was an always always yeah. been a circus because Mayweather was already retired and it was an exhibition. So if they fight though, if, if Fury fights Ngannou and it's like a legit fight and it's a boxing fight and like like I said, everything's legit here. Yeah. Like that, none of the Mike stuff matters. The Mike stuff is what sold that Mayweather McGregor. That's what fight I'm saying though, because it was stardom UFC. This whatever. won't do the same sell. Oh, it'll be more. It'll you think be, so? Eh? Oh, a lot more. I, I'm telling you, dude. If that fight well, happens, Fury can talk. Tyson, Tyson Fury versus Fran, they, Nganu can too if he needs to. Not everybody just knows he's just this likable guy. It, he's just like, but he's also <laughs> not afraid to get in. Look what's going on with him and John Jones, right? Yeah. John Jones is calling him a pussy, yeah, and then yeah. he's talking about him. Where were you? Like you've had my fight for three years, and you never came to fight me. <laughs> it's like you waited till I left to then come in to get a heavyweight fight. And it's true. Yeah, and that, yeah. You know, I look at uh, Nganu a little bit the same way as Stipe. It's like you guys have had this fight for so long, and I get you hurt your knee, Nganu, and all this, and you don't have a contract anymore, and that never worked out for him. But when I look back to that fight. McGregor versus uh, Mayweather, that was nowhere compared to this. If these two guys fight, this is bigger than any MMA fight, wow. any uh, boxing fight in the next, like the last 10 years and the next five. Like this is two of the top heavyweights in the world, boxing and it's for a legit belt or a legit fight. Yeah. Like, this isn't guys coming out of retirement. This isn't guys selling it on the mic. This is a legit fight. That's going to be huge. It's going to make big numbers. The turnout, what happens, uh, all that, that the city, result man. is yeah. going to be interesting. I, I don't think know. it's bigger to you and me as fight guys. I don't think it's bigger no, the to boxing. the general, you know, who just sort of fucks around what's on on Saturday night. I'll get some buddies together and order a fight. Francis Ngannou is not Conor McGregor. No, but so, but Tyson Fury brings a big crowd right yeah, now. He's a big he's yeah. a big deal, and that's the thing. You know what? Like, are you going to buy that fight? I will watch that fight. Well, I don't know if I'll buy it. <laughs> either way, I, I'm sure you will. You know what I mean? Watching yes. it, but I look yeah. at that situation. I, is, trust me, like that's going to be boxing has a, a very much a you know as much as MMA is very niche in, in its yeah. sport. Boxing is a bigger niche, and it has that. You know, a lot of an old school crowd, right? A lot of the guys that love and watch boxing are the guys that grew up watching guys like, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali and these uh, Mike mm-hmm. Tyson's and, you know, all the smoking Joe Frazier's and uh, uh, Hollyfield's. Like these guys are right there watching. And it's like, all right, now this is, like I said, this is going to be the biggest boxing fight. Like Tyson Fury versus uh, Deontay Wilder was so big. Yep. And Anthony Joshua right now is getting into another fight with, I think, I think, uh, Tyson Fury's also been talking about Andy Ruiz. There's a couple of big yep. name heavyweight boxers right now, and I'm not even a big boxing fan. No, I'm not either. But uh, I like I follow it a little bit, and it's like okay, but I'm not going to go out of my way to watch a lot of these guys. But this is like you can't miss that because you have that opportunity to see a guy like Tyson Fury get knocked out by you know uh, Francis Ngannou because that's the thing. Both of these guys have the power, and oh, that's yeah. the other, that's oh, the yeah. other thing. As much as like okay, Ngannou can get knocked out right away because he's not a real true boxer. This is a guy that's a big monster and can fight, but his struggle, like you saw against Ngannou, was you know what he handled. It. He was a good wrestler. Yeah. A lot, a lot of people didn't see that coming. 
but that power is there right. where he can turn your lights off in a second. <laughs> and these guys are both a bit older, so it's like, all right, like either these guys can take one punch and go down. Different glove sizes too, right? That was the thing. Oh, McGregor yeah. Mayweather, they had to adjust the glove size, and it wasn't full boxing, wasn't MMA, but they had a nice in-between. So if this is a legit fight and not some exhibition, like – I, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be the biggest fight. It's going to be the biggest fight. And I'm okay with that. I'm more of an MMA guy, but yeah. I think it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. And I kind of want to see it in a sense because um, of how big it would be. And I don't know what's going to happen. But the one good thing about it too is we're not going to have the Dana White trotting out. No. And Francis and Gunner like we had with uh, Mayweather yeah. and, and, and uh, McGregor, right? He was out there beside him like, oh, like yeah. hey, here's my buddy. Here's my buddy Connor. <laughs> He's my show pony. And what it did was all it did was help the UFC out a bit. And that's the thing. So now we're getting into the spot where, okay, whatever Ngannou wants to do, I believe he should be back in the octagon fighting John Jones. But if he's going to go to this boxing route that he wants to do, whether it's, like you said, Anthony Joshua, or if he wants to fight Deontay Wilder, or he's going to go up against Tyson Fury, which that'd be huge. Like I said, Tyson Fury would be a big one. Even Deontay Wilder would be pretty big too, because he has a good following. Like these are big time fights and I'm all for it here. So it's uh, it's tough. It, it is a tough spot. And I don't know if that would, like a loss like that would kind of ruin his reputation, but you know, for Nganu, like, man, he's already done enough to yep. kind of show who he is and, you know, him walking away from the UFC. Like you said, if he gets knocked out, it's going to be a little bit of a different spot for Dana. Like he's just going to, like you said, point the finger and be like, look, you know, he thought he could cut it and he blah, blah, blah. And yep. like you said, he's just going to talk his shit. But, <laughs> um, at the end of the day, I'd rather him be in the UFC fighting against John Jones, kind of building that sport up rather than boxing right now. Cause I'm more of a UFC fan selfishly. All right, so I've had to grab another pint here just because of the uh, volcanic nature of the last one. And uh, this would be a good chance to remind everybody, since uh, this pint is from the Need a Beer Company, and I actually showed up, Bundy, you can see they hadn't even had time to to wrap nice, it yet. It's not a silver bullet, is it? <laughs> it's just a straight up uh, silver can here on this one. I do want to remind everybody that on Friday, March 17th, over at the Need a Beer Company, they're having their uh, St. Paddy's Day party, uh, noon to 11 p.m., no ticket necessary, no pre-order necessary, anything like that. You just show up if you want, and there's going to be prizes for, um, you know, most festive, most well-dressed for St. Paddy's Day, whatever that might look like. Um, so happy to, uh, they're happy to have anybody show up who wants to take part in that. And they have two different stouts. I don't know, St. Paddy's Day, man. It's stout day, right? That's the time you want to be doing that. So they have their standard stout, perfectum. Fucking fantastic, but they have this other stout, Tears of a Sasquatch. It is a roasted coconut espresso stout. It is fantastic. That is a very limited run. So if you want some of that, they're asking you to go on to needabeer.com, N-I-T-A beer.com and pre-order that if you're looking to to try it out. Otherwise, nothing you got to do ahead of time. Just show up, have a pint, 190 Colonnade Road for the Need a Beer Company. I bring it up again because I'm going with this... Uh, this pint from Nita, it is their Mr. Brown has gone coconuts brown ale. It is coconut infused. It is delicious. It's mm. all these things that I enjoy. And I'm hoping this one's not going to explode all over me, man. Okay. One, two, three. Let's look at it. Mm-hmm. No, it's a clean open hey. and a clean first set, Matt. All right. No bib for you now. Like it? <laughs> no, it's true. Um, look, man, let's get back into this. Before we move into what's coming up at UFC 286, I want to take one more look at UFC 285 and what happened to Valentina Shevchenko against... Alexa Grasso. Yeah. 
Look, man, that was uh, that was my girl, Shevchenko. And I don't want to belabor the point because I've talked to you about this a few different times when we've come on. There has been a major changing of the guard across the board. We have seen Usman, who was thought of as one of the most unbeatable champs. He's gone down. Izzy Adesanya has gone down. Amanda Nunez went down. She's gotten back up, but she went down. Mm-hmm. We have seen Charles Oliveira. All of these people who have been champion forever get overturned, and Valentina Shevchenko became the latest to have that happen to her. I want to ask you what you saw in that fight, but just sort of off the top, we've seen Kamaru Usman got automatically, yeah, of course, you're going to get a rematch. Mm-hmm. That'll be your next fight. We saw Amanda Nunez get the same thing. Um, is there any question in your mind that they're going to run that back and do Shevchenko versus Grasso again? Now, how do you not, right? Especially for Shevchenko, right? The respect of her cleaning out that uh, women's flyweight division for the last few years. Yeah. You know, she deserves that title shot, uh, you know, a rematch at least if she wants it, right? If she wants to take a fight off and let Grasso fight someone else, by all means. Um, Alexa Grasso just has that, that that's like – She's very much up and coming, and I think the next one everybody wants is Blanchfield, right? She's yeah. the one that took down Molly McCann. That's right. She's the up and coming person in that division, and there's a lot of hype around her right now. And I believe she's somebody that's in that title defense, or you know, maybe next title shot. Um, but for Alex Gra- Alexa Grasso, like that was a, a great performance by her. It was a very interesting fight. Um, I was feeling an upset. Um, Grasso just has a, a very good dynamic and skill in the octagon and she just never once seemed intimidated by Shevchenko. No, that's right. Which is the thing you see with a lot of these fighters and you brought up, um, uh, Nunez, right? And yeah. you know, what Juliana was such a, Pena. yeah, Juliana Pena was not nervous in the octagon no. both times and she, lo- she got her ass kicked the second time, sure. but the. Either time she showed up and she's like, I don't give a shit who the hell you are. I'm here to fight. Right. And it's like, I love that, that vibe. It's like, you know what? I'm here to fight. I don't give a shit how many times you've defended this title. It's my turn. And that's the kind of the way the fight went for her. And, you know, it's funny because we were talking before the fight and it's like, you know what? I'm feeling an upset here. And it's, it's like, true. You I, called this I, shit. I love Shevchenko. I do. I love her too. And I do hope there's a rematch here because I'm all about rivalries in the UFC. You need to build up the hate. You need to build up excitement. And, you know, we've discussed so many times. Right, you, you you know we bring up another one, but you know uh, changing of the guard. It seems like it's been flying back and forth between Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno, That's right? right? Yeah. And now Moreno has won it, and I believe Figueredo is going to move up and wait because of weight cuts just he's hurting him so time. much, but yeah. also because it's been four fights with Brandon yeah. Moreno and he's lost uh, two of them now, <laughs> and he's uh, one was a draw. So yeah. you get to that point, but I love the fact that Grasso was just so confident in that octagon, and you know to catch Shevchenko in that moment, fourth round and submission. That was that was awesome. Like that was that, yeah. that was damn like she good. She was hanging tough, right? Like yeah. there's no question at the time Shevchenko made a mistake, but it's yeah. not like Grasso was getting completely outclassed in the first three rounds. No, right? she it, was hanging tough. It was a very interesting fight. I don't know how I would have had it scored, but it would have been closer. And I think I would yeah. have been leaning maybe a bit towards Shevchenko. I do right? too. I As the champion, right? And and we've seen that before, right? When uh, Usman was facing off against Leon Edwards, yeah. he was winning that fight, and yeah. until he wasn't, and and got beat very quickly, and. That would be the only argument against, right? We're starting to see, like, let's say, coming up here at 286 on Saturday, Usman goes in and clears out Leon Edwards and and just shows that that was a fluke. We saw Nunez come back, as you said, and just maul uh, Pena to get her title back. Would that make you hesitate a little more before booking the rematch? Only in the sense that these stories, this these, uh, these up-and-comers... 
they don't appear legit. They're all as soon as we do the rematch, everybody's getting their ass kicked. Like, would you maybe run a little mini tournament where maybe next just to stretch it out a little, just to make sure that uh, Grasso holds the title a little longer? Maybe you do Grasso versus Blanchfield, and then Pena or uh, Shevchenko faces someone else on the same card to get that title shot or would you just go right ahead and make it because she's a goat and she deserves it yeah no you go right ahead i think blanchfield's in that spot where she could probably use another fight yeah uh, before she gets that title shot anyways i you, you you know it's more of a respect the champion and i think that's the thing shevchenko has been so so good um and but does d- it almost undo that miracle thing you did six months ago by just keep having all of these champs come back and go yeah no fuck off that was a fluke I yeah yes and no but I I like it because it's what like it, what was it Avril know, said get the get, get the fuck get out of here bitch yeah exactly. <laughs> get the fuck off <laughs> get the fuck off bitch yeah this is my title give that shit back <laughs> yeah uh, I don't hate that though because it's like alright like give Grasso another fight to earn it again sure it, it, you trilogy. go through uh, yeah that's the thing like there's so much there to build up and the UFC has not done the good job of that there's starting to do a better job, especially with the Moreno Figueredo thing. Yeah. But uh, I want to see more of it, uh, mainly because a lot of these divisions have in-betweeners, and that's when I, I I call a lot of these guys in-between title fights, but also not quite at the title fight yet. And yeah. I think there's a lot of in-betweeners. And right now, if you can reschedule that, like Grosso, you can argue didn't deserve a title shot. But there sure. wasn't much else going on in that's the division. Right. Yeah, no, and right. you know what? She's like, you know what? I'm probably the next best or the next, you know, up and comer. And, and you know what? The Italian showed up and she didn't look scared. And, you know, we've seen so many of these, like you said, Nunez and um, all these fighters. Like, uh, you know, I love the fact that we're seeing some turnover because it gets boring when it's like, all right, here comes Usman again. All right, here's another win. All right, here comes Izzy again. Here comes another win. All right, here comes Amanda Nunez again. It's like, who's she going to fight next? Shevchenko, same thing. Like these these champs and like, it's cool and it's respectable. Um, but at the same time. Wouldn't you like to have one? Like, it's weird to me that they've all been cleared out. All these longtime champs. You'd like to have one that's still like, man, that person is unbeatable and here's the next challenge. Yes, and, yes and no, because I think at the end of the day, you need the passing of the torch too. That's always uh, going to be a thing for fighters. But they all pass the torch in like six months. It was just like, here, take it. <laughs> yeah, but it's also interesting. Like, I... Uh, it's tough. You're never going to have a clean fight, right? Like, no. look at GSP. I talk about him being the GOAT, right? And he never technically lost his belt. He walked away from the UFC after an interesting fight against uh, Johnny Hendricks, yeah. and he kind of then came back, beat Bisping, won the title yeah, belt, pissed off Dana White. Yeah. And like, yeah, like you said, jumped up and do from welterweight to, to middleweight, but then pissed everybody off, and he's never technically lost, but there was always the rumors, all right, who's he going to fight? Is it yeah. Anderson Silva versus GSP, and what's going on next? So... It is an interesting spot to be in, but I also look at it. It's like, I I do respect the factor of like, you know what? I was the champ for so long and here you go. Right. And a lot of these fighters are in in interesting spots and Grasso's one too, where she's on the younger side where maybe it is that passing of the torch and she is that next one where Yeah, no, if she comes out and beats her again definitively, you're like, all right, like there it is, right? Beats Shevchenko and takes over that spot. And it is time or it might be time. Like Shevchenko has been doing this for 20 years, right? Like at some point. It takes its toll, and maybe you can't do it anymore. But I, 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 I am with you. I've been making the devil's advocate case just to, to keep things interesting or, or whatever. But I, yeah. I, I think Shevchenko, you have to, when you've been as good as she's been for as long as she's been, and you've given all these other longtime champions an immediate rematch, you got to 
give it to her next. I yeah. Think that's where you're probably headed. So no. what? In 285 too, I know you wanted to, to touch on other stuff, but I wanted to throw three things in there okay. quickly. By all means. But man. it was the, uh, the excitement for Bo Nickel to make his UFC debut. And he was the first fight of the pre, uh, uh, sorry, first fight of the main event. Right. Uh, sorry. The main the, card. Yeah. Um, but. You know, this is a guy that uh, he cleaned up, and I think he had a, a like an early, like within one minute win in his uh, Dana White Contender Series fight. And Dana's like, "Well, you know, you're pretty, you're new, you're a good wrestler, but like, I can't." He had another fight in the Dana White Contender Series. He won that one. All these fighters were calling him out. Boom! What happens? He gets a fight. He's on the main card. Boom! First round triangle submission <laughs> over Pickett. Uh, what a debut for him! And he's he's just an exciting fighter. Great on the mic. He's fun. Um, but I also want to shout out Mark Andre Barrio getting a TKO over uh, Marquez. Uh, sorry, Marquez in the um, first fight of the prelims. Right. But shout out to Mark Andre Barrio. He trains and he's from the kind of Gatineau, Ottawa area. Okay. Made his UFC debut in Ottawa. I ended up meeting him, talking to him. Um, but he's a big kind of middleweight that uh, was interesting. And also keep. Ian Gary off the early prelims, Dana. What the fuck are you doing? This guy is out here undefeated, 11-0. He has a TKO in the third round over Keenan. Uh, but, man, this is a guy that was on the, the the main card like a couple fights ago, and he's shoveled down. I'm like, oh, cool, he's on it. And I'm like, this guy's on the early prelims? Like the what former the- Facebook fights. Yeah, that former <laughs> Facebook fights. Like, and you know, he's now eleven and zero after getting a TKO. Um, but he's like the next up and coming Conor McGregor kind of guy. He's good on the mic. He's fun to watch in the octagon. Right. A great performance for him as well. I don't want to see that happening anymore. So just a shout out. There was that was a great card. Two eighty five was a really great card. Uh, very much filled with star power. I'll even give uh, Cody Garbrandt a shout out for getting a win. Yeah. Uh, just because I love my man. No love. Um, <laughs> but man, it was a really good card. Um, so I was really happy about that. And like I said, topped off by, uh, Grasso winning over Shevchenko, which, you know, caused a bit of a stir, but then John Jones just making, uh, Holy shit. Yeah. Just making gone look like nothing. So, uh, very much a great card and I was very excited about it. 286 coming up this weekend, uh, from England, weird 5 PM start. I know often when they travel, they to sort of say fuck you to the international crowd and like it's going to be at 10 p.m. Eastern. Whatever that means in your time zone is whatever it means. We had... Uh, now fighting at 5 a.m. like Fight Island. Right, or that one in Australia, which was like a brunch card yeah. that was the other day. So um, with this one, they're they're paying a little, showing a little love to the British crowd. So it'll be 5 p.m. Uh, fight card here in the uh, on the East Coast of North America. Um, I, I There's a few, I guess ones we could start with, but why don't we get to the co-main to start? Because that's Justin Gaethje, and he's an interesting cat at this point because I used to, and I still do, like I get excited for a Gaethje fight. You know it's going to be an exciting fight. There's going to be a lot of action, but he sort of stumbles at the worst moments, right? Mm -hmm. They keep pushing him back down the rankings a little bit, and so he's in the co-main here on this one. How do you see that fight shaking loose? And are you at all still interested in what G- uh, Justin Gaethje might have to offer here? Yeah, no, and uh, I love Justin Gaethje. Uh, I, I do believe um, he's an interesting guy because he, he's an all-world wrestler, but he's never once uh, had a takedown in the UFC. That's so and weird. It's man. so weird, but he's just, uh, I don't want to call him like a, a stupid fighter. I don't think he's in the Mike Chandler <laughs> 
um, right. era where I think Mike Chandler is just a dumb fighter. Yeah, he has no idea uh, what he's doing. No, right. his fight IQ is low, but I think Gaethje's in a spot where he just has that great chin and he's so tough and he's coming up against a tough fight against Fiziev, uh, who's uh, made his way up the rankings, but uh, I've, uh, Justin Gaethje, speaking of the in-betweeners for me, he's right there. He's an in-betweener that yeah. it feels like he's always... Bordering on gatekeeper territory. Very right? much. He's yeah. always good enough to be in the top five, but he's never good enough to win the belt. And right. that's where I look at him as I see him beating Fazeev because I think he's just a better all-around fighter. And I also think that he has a bit more power in this and he's got um, just a bit more size on him. But when I look at it, uh, man, I love Gaethje and I love his mic skills, but I wish he was uh, more of a guy that fought, um, used his wrestling yeah. in, in some of these fights because you look at his his fights against uh, Nurmagomedov and you look at his fights um, against uh, Oliveira, right, where mm-hmm. he just gets choked out and it's like as soon as uh, he gets up there against a jiu-jitsu or wrestler, it's like, boom, it's kind of yeah, over. he wants to get in there and strike. He wants to get in there and kick and yeah. he just gets taken down and choked And Fiziev, like him and versus Fiziev is going to be a very much a uh, Gaethje versus Chandler fight and it's going to be fireworks. It's going to be exciting. Um, I'm curious to see if Fiziev tries to take him down because he's a little bit, like I said, he's coming in as the challenger here to Gaethje. Right. Um, but I, you know, it's very obvious to see the success rate against Gaethje is, you know what, get this guy down and submit him because he... You know, he, he's got the same kind of aura of like, hey, I'm ready to bang, go to this dark place, we're going to go, and it's going to be nasty, we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're not talking about sex, we're talking about fighting. <laughs> um, but I love Gaethje because he's not afraid to just, you know what, I'm tucking the chin and let's just throw. Yeah. And it's exciting, but it's like, you're man, the guy's uh, 23 and 4, Fazeev's coming in 12 and 1, a little bit younger, um, but man, this is going to be a good fight, and I'm curious to see... Um, if Aziv can make this a, a big fight, but I think Gaethje wins this one. Um, in terms of uh, what else is on this card, it's interesting, but that co-main, um, I don't know if it's going to be the fight of the night because I have an, my eye on another one. I'll wait okay. to get to that, yeah. but this is a, this is my, my secondary B pick. I don't, I know it's kind of a cheap shot of picking a B pick, but, <laughs> um, for fight of the night, um, uh, because I don't know if it's going to be fight of the night because I have another one that I think will be, um, because I'm not sure if Aziv can throw um, with a guy like Gaethje. Because Gaethje, it's just, he's just a monster, man. Yeah. We've seen them in these fights. Oh, yeah. He's a striker. Like, he's he a, can do it. Yeah, but he's just so tough, too. Like He oh, can yeah. take shots. Yep. And that's a thing. So I'm excited about it. I'm not, sure how, I'm not sure how you feel about it, if you're a Fazeev fan or not. But if you think he's got a chance to take down uh, Gaethje. But for me, I think this is going to be a Gaethje win here for sure. And I think it's going to be a second-round knockout. Yeah, I'm with you on Gaethje here because, I, I as you've said, I think he's bordering on that gatekeeper role now, right? Yeah. He's kind of number four, number five, number six in the division, and he's good enough to keep holding people off for a while, but not quite good enough to get it done and, and grab that title. So I'm with you. I expect this to be a stand and bang kind of thing, and I'm all in for that, and that's why I love Jason, uh, Justin Gaethje fights. Uh, I'll say the same thing. I, I got Gaethje in the first or second round, man, and, and probably in spectacular fashion. So. Yeah. Um, look, we'll, we'll get to some of the, the deep picks. I know that's one of the things you roll in here with, but let's get to the main event first. Yeah. I want to talk about what's happening here. We have a huge rematch between Leon Edwards and Kumaro Usman and Usman had become one of those guys, one of those longstanding, we're talking about best ever, at least best ever in the division. He was in those pound for pound rankings right up high for a very long time. And if we're being real about it. He was winning that fight against Leon Edwards and mm-hmm. pretty definitively, again, until he wasn't, Leon Edwards buries that kick, knocks him out, and you're like, holy shit, we have a new welterweight champion in a way that I like 
I'd seen Usman fight some guys that I thought had better chances of finishing him or, or taking the title off of him than Leon Edwards. I sort of looked at that point at Leon as like, yeah, all right, we'll do that again because we've done everything else. But Leon Edwards is like, fuck that, I'm taking the title. And and I think it was a fifth round knockout, was it not? Yep, fifth round knockout. He he was, uh, because I remember that fight started out in the first round with Leon Edwards taking down Usman yeah. and kind of beating him up a bit. Yeah. And that was what shocked everybody. But then but rounds, two, three, and four were yeah, all. It yeah. was a sweep and it, right. was, it was not we're even like, okay, close. That's the, that's the Kamaru Usman we all know. And so Leon Edwards finishes him in the fifth round with the head kick, knocks him out, takes the title, and the UFC, to their credit, goes, all right, here's a good time for us to go back to England. We're going to sell some tickets with this British champion, and that's what they're doing here. We're going to have that at 5 p.m. Like I said, all of it lines up to be a big deal in Great Britain, a hometown fighter. I'm sure up and down the card we'll see some... Some Great Britain fighters, uh, you know, or European fighters that will all have the chance to to do that at home. I got it to be honest with you, man. I'm interested in your breakdown of the fight, but I feel like that was a bit of a fluke, and Usman's probably going to take this back, but maybe in that boring fashion that he sometimes does. Right? It's, yeah. He he was starting to get that GSP reputation of being like, "Fuck that guy's great," but he doesn't always finish people, and sometimes rarely. Yeah. finishes people. So what do you think of this one? Yeah, it's interesting because Usman was, you could tell it was affecting him too, but you saw him improve in his striking, mm-hmm. um, especially when his last couple of fights, right, against Colby Covington and Gilbert Burns, yeah. Masvidal, like yeah. he was starting to knock out, especially Masvidal, he had the nasty knockout oh, of Masvidal. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with that. And you're kind of, you were starting to see him build some momentum towards that. And Leon Edwards, the big thing was the takedown, right? That was the big thing in the first round was, holy shit, like someone can take down Usman. Right. But then it was like you said, he just disappeared for rounds two through four, like two through four, and maybe what the first two, maybe three minutes yeah, yeah. of that fifth round. No, we're at it, that point we're just winding down the clock to another yeah. Usman win. It was basically that, and we we got into it. And the one thing that makes this is like Usman's a switch fighter, but he's mainly uh, like uh, just an orthodox fighter. But Edwards is a southpaw, and the way he set up the knockout, right? He was throwing the the jab constantly, and he was kind of just mm-hmm. kind of setting up a jab, and then it was kind of flinching Usman a bit, and he was kind of getting a little bit nervous. And then the head kick, the way yeah. he set up the head kick yeah. off of that fake that fake jab, it was perfect timing, and that's the thing. Like you know, I always talk when we we do fights on this, and especially when it comes to fighters. And um, for Usman, I'm I'm more confident in. I think he's going to win this fight. Yeah. Um, just because I believe in his mental strength a little bit more. But, you know, I always talk about when you see a champ lose, what, well, how do they respond? It's like, you know, you hear the first thing. It's like, everyone's a tough guy until they get punched in the of face. Course, man. And it's kind of like the same idea. It's like, every, you know, you're a champion until you lose, yep. right? And like, and maybe you don't lose, but at the end of the day, you look at the situation. It's like, how does he bounce back mentally? How does it affect you? The knockout situation, right? It was a nasty, he was on the, on the mat for oh, like man. almost the whole celebration for Leon Edwards <laughs> and credit to Leon Edwards, right? It's a guy that could have just, you know, caved in and just been like, you know what? All right, I'm, I'm losing this fight. I'm out. Yeah. This guy, you know, kept working his, you know, idea. And it was, like I said, he was setting up that leg How rare is it, right? We always see them as like, ah, this is over. We'll just ride it out to the finish. And, and someone comes back and goes, nope, right? Like I'm going to fucking finish. You've so many times seen a fifth round of this person's dead and buried. They need to swing for the fences. And then he does and connects and finishes him. It was yeah. wild. And man. It, like, it was a nasty leg kick. It, it was. was. 
And, and like I said, I, I, I do believe that Usman's going to win this fight yeah. um, because I believe in his mental strength and his uh, attitude and the way he's always been in the octagon. I believe that he talks a little bit more trash than he really means to, but I think that's more of the pressure of, you know, trying to sell fights more than you really should. Right. You know, a lot of these champs get into the point, like him especially, but um, Volkanovski's another one where they're on the mic and they're trying to talk trash. It's like, we all know you're a good dude. Yeah. And and you know what? You're not selling me here. Yeah. I'm going to watch your fight because you're good at this. (laughs) And it's a good damn fight. Right. (laughs) It's like like, your talk is... Like, yeah, <laughs> this isn't too what I. And for Leon Edwards, I've seen him talking a little bit of trash by saying, "You know what? I'll open the door here for Usman to retire if he loses this again." And I'm curious to see how he now bounces back, though, right? Like that's the other thing too for Leon Edwards. He's only fought a couple times in the last few yep. years, right? right. Like yeah. he had his Diaz fight where you know what he pretty much Usman that one. He was up in the first four rounds. Here comes the fifth round, and here comes Diaz. Diaz Nate, almost finished Nate, him. Nate Diaz has got him up that, on the cage, and he's if that fight's won one minute longer. Yeah, right? like, it was crazy. Yeah. But I look at that and it's like, all right, Leon, like now, okay, you then got your title fight again because Leon Edwards was supposed to fight Hamzat Shamaya for I don't know how long. And yeah. I think they had two or three fights canceled because uh, both of them had COVID or one. I know that. At, um, Shamaya Sh- for sure. Yeah, Shamaya did for sure. But now it's like, all right, Leon, now you got back in the octagon. Maybe it was a little bit of rust, a slow start, but you know, it's hard to argue that when you had the first round he did. Right. Um, but it's like, all right, now, how are you going to approach this fight again? Um, like I said, he's got the southpaw advantage to him here, right? It's always different when you're a southpaw, mm-hmm. but it's like, what's your goal here? Because the one thing we know is Usman's wrestling is amazing. And um, as great as a striker and as much power as he has, is he going to be a guy that doesn't want to wrestle a little bit more because he wants to kind of, you know, macho him and be like, you know what? I got KO by this guy. He embarrassed me last time. I'm coming in here to that throw would, him with that's him. That's a mistake. It, exactly. But is he going to have the champion mentality where he's yeah. like, you know what? I won this fight from rounds two through five, basically, or well, two through four. Two through um, four and b- a half. By basically, yeah. yeah, by basically wrestling this guy yeah. and using my strength. You got to leave your ego in the back. But sometimes it doesn't happen. Oh, I know. And that's the thing. So that's yeah. where the interesting bit is. And like I said, is he Adesanya versus uh, Alex Perea? Like that's yeah. another one too where I'm more confident in Perea taking another title defense there and winning over Adesanya again for like the 90th time. <laughs> um, but mainly because of that, like I said, you really learn about champions once they lose, right? GSP, you lost to Matt Serra, came back, boom, yeah. has that win. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you got to be able to kind of get back to your game plan. And that's the thing. I believe Usman can do it. Um, but I'm curious if he has that trigger of like, you know what? Fuck this guy. I'm going to try and throw with him. And it's like, you know what? He embarrassed me last time. I want to see if I, I can handle knock him, him out. Cause he I've knocked got, me out. Yeah. Well, and I've got the that's power not your game like, though, man. That's, it's, it's a, it's a risky business, but I, I don't believe that's Usman's objective. He's no. never really been that guy. No. His, uh, his natural power and just stand up and just easy trading, but, uh, his bread and butter is his wrestling. And yeah. I believe that's how he's going to win this fight. Um, so I believe he'll take it in a decision here. Same. Um, and I don't think it's going to be a it's knockout. It's boring when we agree, but. It is boring, it, but. I, at the, it's going five rounds and I, yeah. I assume we'll be looking at like four to one Usman <laughs> on the judges cards. I, I think he just outclasses Edwards. Like he almost, he, he was doing that through the last one until he got fucking blasted. And you're like, That's that, all it that takes, could so. happen again. No, that could happen again yeah. for sure. But I think Usman gets back in his game. And just wrestles this guy for for four and a half rounds, four five rounds, whatever. Goes to the judges' cards and 
you know, he keeps his reputation as being kind of a dull mm-hmm. fighter, but he gets his title back is the way I see that playing. Unless out. he wins in a big fashion and we'll you know see. what? He does get the knockout. We'll hey, see. I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen here. Like we don't, but uh, I'm excited for it. And I, yeah. I believe it'll be a decision uh, because I believe Usman plays a safe to take his belt back. I, that's what I believe is going to happen. If he's smart, that's what'll happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you always have a better eye than me, man, for these deep cuts, what else is on this card that you've got an eye on? Yeah, I'm looking at a flyweight fight between Mohamed Mokayev, who's 9-0. and He's uh, He's got a good couple finishes so far in the UFC. It's going to be his fourth fight, um, but he's got a couple subs. He's coming in against a guy making his UFC debut, mm. and I believe that this is going to be the fight of the night here, right, right here. Really? Sp- yeah, because you got this Jafel Foyalo guy making his UFC debut, but this is a guy that finishes guys, like TKO subs, TKO, like this is a guy who's nasty. He had a TKO in the Dana White Contender Series to get himself a UFC fight. Right. This is the last fight of the early prelim, or sorry, the first fight of the prelims and I believe that this has the makings of just like it's going to be a banger like Fire just yeah, yeah just yeah. a couple flyweights that are ready to throw but Muhammad Makayev is just a guy too that I believe he was supposed to fight he was getting into it a little bit with um uh my buddy Bryce Mitchell and oh, yeah. I think he was he they wanted a fight never ended up working out uh Bryce Mitchell has another fight now coming up soon but uh, this is the one that I have my eyes on as the fight of the night. Another just kind of a cheap shot one as well as <laughs> Jack Shore making another fight. He's 16-1, to 1, but he was on a bit of a run before he lost his last fight. Is that a fight. Brit? Jack Shore sounds like a uh, Brit. Jack British Shore, name. I think he's from <laughs> Wales. Oh, okay. um, but, yeah, okay. This uh, is what we're talking about, though, when we fight in the, the British Isles, right? We'll, exactly. We'll as many of those guys on the card as we can. Yeah, but he's back in it. Um, I don't know how who the guy he's fighting, but Amir Khani. But yeah. um, he's. Uh, I think that's another fight that's going to be entertaining. It's the last fight of the prelims, but the prelims have two fights right away that I'm interested in, and that Mokaya versus Philo one is going to be a big one, and that's my that's my dark horse kind of fight of the, fight night, of the night winner. I think it's going to be a very good one. Also, Malcolm Gordon fighting against Jake Hadley. Malcolm Gordon from Canada. He's been on a bit of a uh, tear, I believe, lately. No, sorry, he had a little bit of loss against Mohammed Makayev. See, okay, there's, there's, there's a boy, yeah. Yeah, that was Chandler versus Mak- uh, Makachev when he was yes. on the last card. But right. uh, Malcolm Gordon, uh, I do uh, always got to shout out a Canadian when they're on the on the card. So that's another one on the early prelims. But no, the first fight of the prelims, Makayev versus Philo, I believe is going to be the fight of the night. I think okay. that's got uh, the makings of a, a nice finish. This is why we bring you in here, man. Looking for those deep cuts, looking for the ones that are going to surprise Looking for the ones that you make sure you're sitting down and actually watching instead of just kind of wandering in at the last minute for the main card. It's not a sexy card, but it's there's, not. And, but and there's a lot of fighters that are low key, okay. Like, like that's the thing. Like we're doing this more and more, though, right? The heavy main event, and then eh, right yeah, the rest yeah. of it. Because Leon Edwards fighting in Great Britain, that's going to sell the tickets, and then we can kind of do whatever we got to do on the undercard. Yeah, and you know, there's a couple others. Marvin Vittori to start sure. the uh, the he's main legit. card, yeah. but he's fighting Roman uh, Dolladize, and he's been very good. Like this guy has got a, like three straight knockouts in the first, first and second round. Like he's he's ba- like he's means yeah. business. And um, Jack Hermanson being the last knockout he's had, right? Like, that's one that's big time. So Marvin Vittori is trying to kind of get back in that middleweight. Uh, he needs a win. Yeah, he definitely needs a win, and that's the thing. He's trying to be in that middleweight conversation of a guy to get back towards that that belt, but, um, all it is, he isn't messing around. So there's, there's a good couple of okays. All right. Like I said, Jack Shore, um, Man, there's a there's a good little bit here, so I'm excited. Like you said, the, there's a good amount of um, uh, English fighters on it, it here, worthwhile. and it's early in the day too. If you're not one of those night hawks, 
can check this out. 5 p.m. Man. It's not the ABC fights either. It's, no. This is a pay-per-view <laughs> and it's well-deserved. But, right. um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited for this one, um, especially because it's daytime because we're old men and we like to go to bed early 100%. rather than trying to fall asleep before the, the main event. But uh, either way, it's exciting. And I believe some of these fights are going to be very good just because the names aren't very sexy. These are the, like I said, the, the UFC is starting to do a little bit better job now of uh, having some turnover. So. 100%. Man, always awesome when you're able to drop in. I, I appreciate you doing two this week. Oh, uh, man. We got you double dipping here and, and doing the heavy lifting for us, but uh, it's a fight week, and that means, uh, I mean, Bunda, right? That's who comes <laughs> in to, to break down the, this stuff for us. So uh, it's going to be a great weekend around the UFC. It's been a great couple of weeks around the UFC, and we're in one of those streaks now, um, which seems to happen every six months or so where they get into like three or four months in a row where they have great main events. Yeah. And, 287's and, coming up yeah. and watch, I'm hoping we could talk about more later 100%. too, because that is St. Nevers Perea. Like I think Perea has got to be a nasty guy to deal with, especially in he's that middleweight He's got his number division. it looks like, right? Yeah. It looks like he's one of those guys who just has Izzy's number. He's and, a killer too, yeah, man. Yeah. Like this guy is nasty, but yeah, some big time fights coming up. Uh, I appreciate you always asking me to come in to talk fights. Uh, didn't really get to set up the, uh, John Jones one, but the fact that there was two quick ones in March yeah. made it easy to kind of recap and get in. So thanks again for having me, Maddie. And I'm sorry for the tall can audio fans to see me twice in one week. <laughs> we always appreciate the time, man. Uh, we'll wind this one down here for Steve Bunda. My name is Matt Robinson. Make sure you follow him on social media at Steve Bunda 91. We are on social media at tall can audio. We'll catch y'all next time. What was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?